Hi, Jorge. Hey, Joe. So I'm excited to talk to you. You've been building a course platform of your own from scratch, and I'm intensely interested in kind of the motivations and technical hurdles that people are facing when they're building a course platform and how they think about that. But before we get into that, I was wanting to ask you, how do you personally approach learning when you come into something that's complex, whether it's something, you know, in your programming life or otherwise, when you're learning a new complex topic, how do you think about it and approach a new subject? I think it depends on mostly if I know what I don't know yet. If I know what I don't know, I try to go for specifics. For that, I actually use Egghead a lot because I like I can go straight to the specifics, get what I need, and then start using it. When it's something a bit more broad that I'm not sure what goes into it, that I don't know, uh, I was trying to learn about uh, building Express APIs, but I had no knowledge about Express. Mm -hmm. Then I go for something more broad, more more complete. That teaches me what I don't know yet. Like, for example, Westboss courses and things like that. Right. So it's kind of, it, it really depends on where you're starting from and the known okay. unknowns. Yes. And if you're completely new or if you have some experience and just need specifics. So it sounds like you, you like to take courses and courses are part of your learning experience. And is that over books? Do you prefer taking a course before you'll reach for a book uh, these days? To be honest, I don't think it's about the format. Mm -hmm. I think it's more about who created it. Like I have both. I take a lot of courses, mostly the ones that are not like, because I have I think the only platform I'm subscribed right now is Egghead. So whatever okay. I don't find in Egghead, I get like courses from Westboss or Kent. I never get to pronounce the last name. Kent C. Dots, I think. Yeah, that's it. You get, nailed it. <laughs> and things like that. Uh, but sometimes I also get books. Uh, for example, for most of the UI things I do with Ionic, it's mm -hmm. always books, but mostly because the authors are people that I already know and that that are really good at explaining themselves. So you have it's a vibe that you have with the creator of the material versus the format itself. You're not as concerned yes. about format. It's how is it delivered and do you trust the source to, I suspect? Yeah, I believe that's the biggest part. Trusting if that person will help me get where I want to be. What are some of the qualities of your favorite courses? Like when you take one and it's really effective, regardless of who delivers it, what do you really like to see when you're using that format? Lots of examples, like things mm -hmm. that, that I can start trying immediately that are not like like a big buildup. I don't know if you've seen that where you see two or three chapters in a book trying to build something and it's just the, the you do this, but you don't get to see the results up until, I don't know. You're not running it, right? You're just, you're kind exactly. of, you keep building it and you don't get to see it and you see no results. And then finally it's, ta-da. Exactly. That's a big one for me. Because sometimes you spend hours trying to build something and then when you get to that point, you see, okay, it's not working. There is an issue somewhere and then you need to figure out where the issue is. So when it's more, uh, you start building something and testing it immediately, mm -hmm. you get that like that a really close or really fast feedback loop. So you know that you know if you are on the right path or on the right track. So you also teach people and I'm curious, what's your relationship between how you personally do research and to learn something on your own and the research process that you would perform to create a new course that you were producing? For me, there are two parts of the research process. One is like I took 30 by 500 by Amy and Alex. Mm -hmm. So I do a lot of Safari, most the official Ionic blog or the Firebase mailing. Those are like my two big sources. 
And I try to find patterns there to see what people keep bringing up. And the other one is my own newsletter. Like right now, my newsletter is close to 5,000 subscribers, like mm-hmm. 400, 4,000 something. So whenever I start getting like common questions or the same question over and over, like I know, okay, this is a good topic for an e-bomb or this is a good uh, something I can expand more to create a, something a bit bigger, like a course or a short book or something like that. So I just want to, you said e-bomb and e-bomb is like a piece of content that provides value that you send out like a blog post or yes. one of your newsletters, right? That's from Sales Safari, which is part of 30 by 500 that Alex Hillman and Amy Hoy created. Yes. Just just to provide some background for folks that have uh, yeah. heard that before. So, and I can't agree with you more on on the examples being a huge, important component of building a course. And I think something that people get stuck on when they're designing learning material is what to come up with for examples. And I was wondering if you had consistent sources of inspiration for that, or how do you decide what to... There are mostly two. First is if I've used whatever it is that I'm trying to teach in my Mm -hmm. day-to-day job. We do a lot of enterprise development for logistics companies. So yeah. we usually get to play around with a lot of new things and a lot of complex things. Uh, so if I've done something there, I try to adapt from what I already If not, I try to ask directly my newsletter, my mailing list, but not as in what do you want me to build, more as in, okay, uh, I'm working on this subject. Have you built something with this? Have you struggled with something? Is there anything that you need uh, from me? Do you need any help? And with that, I usually go through through the answers and see, okay, what people is building or if someone asks for help, like I help them directly and then see yeah. if anything I did there is something that I... How important is it that examples or exercises that you roll into learning material be related to the real world? Because you mentioned the enterprise and I think that's interesting because I feel like a lot of software training kind of diverts from the enterprise level of software creation. And I'm wondering how do you kind of keep it grounded in that while still keeping it interesting for folks? I think that if the closer you are to real world examples, the easier it is for people to imagine that imagine themselves doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, like when you just, you get, uh, like you try to build something and you say, okay, I want to showcase this functionality and you just try to go with whatever it is you want. I feel that the people reading it or watching the video can tell from that. I think that they get something different when it's something that that it's actually for use, that it's not something that you build for an example, but that it's something that has a real application, a, a real mm-hmm. use. How do you know when somebody succeeded when they're taking one of your courses? What are some of the signs you look for of success for learners? That's a difficult one. I. Yeah. Like I usually try to have automated emails a week, two weeks later after they go through an ebook or a course or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of people don't re- well don't really reply, and when they reply, they try to they try to make you feel good. So yeah, yeah, like I went <laughs> through through the book; it was really good, and you can tell by the genericness of the response that they, they were just trying to be nice. So I tried to ask them for specifics. What would you change? What was difficult for you? Did you have any issues when you were trying to implement something and things like that to see? Yeah, it is really hard because people will yes. try to save your feelings. And it's like when you're teaching, I've taught a lot of live workshops and when you stop and say, does anybody have any questions? And you know that they have questions because yes. there's no way that they don't. 
but nobody's hand goes up and you're just, you know, it's very challenging to get that sort of, of candid feedback, I think. Yeah, I was a teacher in a university before going into tech, and it was like that. Nobody had questions, but as soon as the class was over and everyone was leaving, I, a few people would always come to the desk like, hey, could you help me with this? I didn't understand that and things like that. That's interesting because it's more of a one-on-one, right? Like they were yes. in that situation, they didn't want to raise their hand in front of the group, but afterwards, and they're going to express their questions because it's more private, I guess. Yeah. Did any of your experience as, a, as an educator or teaching at university, have, has that translated or what have you carried over from that experience into being an online teacher for software developers? I'm not sure if it's that it has things that, are, that have carried over. It's okay. more like it, it became the reason why I started doing it. More than programming, I like teaching, but yeah. I don't know how it is in the U.S., but it's really hard to, to make a living as, a good living as a teacher here. I think that's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So, so I was trying to say, okay, what can I do that can combine that, that I can start or that I can keep teaching, but at the same time, like, I need to be able to provide. So... That's how it all started. Like I started writing blog posts, trying to help people and trying to teach, trying to write and things like that. Not sure if like specifics of what I was doing in the past has carried over to my courses or my books or something like that. For me, it was more like the reason it all started. Yeah, the kind of the journey. And I mean, I would assume some of it has to affect it just because you're comfortable with your ability, to, but not directly translating from classroom university experience to what you're teaching now. So you've been teaching for a while, and I was wondering, have you seen any success stories from students that have motivated you or kind of kept you going? What sort of feedback in that regard, like where you can witness their success, not necessarily them telling you that they've been successful, but have you witnessed success? I had, this was a really cool experience. I was invited to to a meetup in in Medellin about Angular, and I've met mm. I met two two people there that uh, approached me after my talk was done, and they actually said that they had bought my first book. It was a book I remember about getting started with Ionic and Firebase. They were building websites in their company, and because of the book, they said that they had been able to move from the web team to the mobile team. And that they were able to get a good promotion, a good race because of that. That feels good. Oh, really good. I was just like on the clouds that day. And other than that, it's mostly when you see people that keep writing to you to not to tell you that the course work or, or that the book was good or something like that. But when you see that, they keep asking or bringing up different type of issues, different scenarios, different situations. Like they are able to keep growing. You see that they are not asking now, uh, I don't know, how to connect to Firebase and fetch data. But you see that they are asking more about, okay, how can I do the transaction so that if several people at the same time are trying to edit a document, they don't overwrite the data and things like that. You see their questions go up in skill level yes. and can witness them actually increase yes. their knowledge yes. and understanding. Yeah, that's awesome. Because... Not a lot of people uh, reply and reply like multiple times to to the newsletters, mm -hmm. but the few that do that, like you start to remember the names and you see that, oh, it's him again. Oh, it's them again and things like that. And you see and you're able to compare what you were talking about a year or two in the past to what you're talking about now. 
So something that I'm interested in, I'm, I've been building a course platform for many years, and I noticed that you've constructed your own course platform, and I think that's something that, that software developers will lean more towards than other folks. But I'm wondering, why not just use something that exists on the market? Like, why not just use Podia or Teachable or, or something that's already existing and instead build your own course platform? What has that done for you? Okay. At the time that I made the decision to build it, it was not really because uh, the other ones that were out there were lacking features. I was just not interested in them at that point. But it was mostly because I felt that some of my skills were like uh, getting rusty because Mm, the type of work I've been doing for the past year and a half has been a little less technical and a little more managerial. So I decided to have something on production on my own, something that people were going to use, something that could break, that I could see why it broke, that I could fix. Mm -hmm. So it was more of a selfish type of things to keep my skills sharp. It was the course platform because when I was thinking, okay, what do I build? It was like, okay, I have a good deal of content. Let's just go with this one. I know that people are going to use it. And I know that they can tell me when something breaks or what I need to fix and things like that. When you describe the platform that you built with JS Mobile Dev, the course platform, how do you describe it? Or what kind of features are most essential to you as you build the platform? There are a lot of things in my mind that I would like to implement. But Mm -hmm. right now, what I see it is a simple. It's a place where people can, like you go in, you log in, you get to the content that you want to learn. And and that's that. Uh, right now, I don't have anything fancy. There are a couple of things that I would love to get the time to implement soon. Uh, but right now, it's just that. It's there and it helps you get the content that you need. If you could snap your fingers and have, you know, like any feature added to your course platform, what would you would be the first thing then? I would like to have a way for people to automatically add context to the questions of the request for help. I don't know. Maybe you are watching the third video of a course and you have a question there and that you're able to just click something and that could be information about the video, what part of the video you are on. And I don't know, things like that so that it's easier for me when I read the question to be able to like to see, okay, where do I start answering this? What have they done? And things like that. We've been building something similar where it's this idea of context within video training is really difficult, right? It's, a, yeah. it's kind of a dense medium and allowing them to comment and ask questions in, in the context of the time code of the video. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's something that we've literally been working on that for a year. And it's a very challenging thing. I'm with you. I would snap my fingers and get that same feature. I think that's a good one. Have you noticed any advantages or anything that's felt really good to you in terms of having complete control over your platform and the delivery of it? Do you think it's in, enhancing the learning experience? I'm not sure. I would say that If I had more time, yes, I would see a lot of benefits because, like I said, there are things that I would like to have Mm -hmm. that maybe they are not available someplace else, but it's not a real benefit at the moment because I just don't have the time to build it. Yeah, and you're you're balancing a full-time job and doing this also, so I'm sure that really kind of bites into your time is having to work, yeah. How do you balance that then, the idea of working on the platform versus creating or maintaining the material for the platform? Because it's two different things. It's two kind of radically different jobs. Yeah, it's really hard. Right now, start, I believe, was the second week of January. I moved part-time because I truly want to 
like to dedicate more time, not only to the course platform, but to actually generating more content. So that's the only thing I could think of to be able to do that because having the full-time job plus creating the content is not really something that, that, that I think it's impossible. But okay. having the full-time job, creating the content, and then adding the features and then fixing the bugs, uh, yeah, it takes a lot of time. And I've always wanted to be a company of one. Like mm-hmm. I have absolutely no interest in creating a big company, having employees, partners, or anything like that. So it's just me. So it usually takes a lot of time to, to be able to do things. So I'm curious, and you're a professional and you're a professional software developer, and it sounds like you've got quite a bit of experience, but has there been any surprising technical challenges while uh, through the process of building your platform? There have been challenges. I don't think it's because they have been extremely difficult. It's more just trying to do something too fast. Mm -hmm. It makes you be a little bit careless. Just a quick example. I had a bug in the registration process because when I created it, it was working fine. Like people would go get a course, sign up, it would create the account, add all the necessary data, and they would have access. But then that cloud function would break if the user already existed in the platform. As I said, since the time, like there are a lot of personal things going on right now, so time is like non-existent. So I had to quickly just turn off the function and put the videos available for download while I get the time to be able to fix that. Yeah, so it's just kind of technical. It's the complexity of the system more than any specific surprise that has popped out of you. Exactly. What's your, and you shared some of this, that you want to do this full-time and be a company of one, but what's the long-term goal of building your own platform, creating these courses? I I think that my long-term goal is more related to creating the content Mm -hmm. than to maintaining the platform. I believe that uh, with enough time, I can get the platform to like to a decent level where I can just focus mostly on not having to spend too much time maintaining or adding things and focusing more on the content. It doesn't matter the amount of features you have, the, I don't know, the explained levels of performance if there is no good content that people can go and check out. That's the truth. Yeah, I, I think that's true too. And you know, like all the fancy features or delivery mechanism really doesn't matter if the content isn't effective at the end of the day and doesn't get people to where they want to be. Or hey, I got to say, I really enjoyed talking to you and appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. And I'm very excited to see what you do and see where you take this and see what kind of, of content you deliver. I bought one of the courses and I did it for research for this, but also because I'm very interested in the content you, that you teach. It's relevant to my interests otherwise. So thank you for that too. I'm looking forward to digging in in more depth. And again, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Oh, it was my pleasure.